another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. This is the NBA Finals preview. Yes, sir. Oh we made it. Gosh. Mama, we made, we made it. it. We are actually here. So I am your co-host, Jay Rosales. I am joined by my very deep-toned co-host. I don't know why I said deep-toned, but yo, Dre, say what's up to the folks. Well, let me assure you that uh, whenever we get a three-pointer or anything in these uh, playoffs, uh, my voice is anything but deep. I shriek like <laughs> that sonar levels of high-pitched, and I'm sure that's not going to change uh, during this exciting, uh, revolutionary for Toronto sports final series. Um, and if I do shriek out of excitement, we got an audio producer, the doctor, <laughs> the audio fixer, the guy that put me back down to level. So I've been high pitched this whole time. You just don't know it. Jason, thanks for fixing my voice. <laughs> no problem. Why you got to make me work, man? But yeah, thank you guys so much. And we've made it. This is the first dance. We've come to the NBA Finals. Finally, is it Thursday yet? I mean, I'm sure the Golden State Warriors have been waiting since I think May the 8th, right? Then so they their their butts are sweaty. Uh, but I can't wait until Thursday. I can't wait for the the little Larry O'Brien trophy to be on the jersey, to be on the floor, the NBA Finals all scribbled on the on the floor. Oh god, I'm so Woo! excited. But until we get into the matchup, Jay, I believe we have a guest on today. I think I think I just passed out again. Did you say Larry O'Brien trophy? I'm sorry. I think, we, I think uh, I did. Great, great. If you want to take this one, go ahead. Go for it, man. Yes. Yes. Uh, introducing our guest all the way from ESPN, Skip Bayless. Actually, we would never do that to you. We would never do that to you. We know better. Jay, who do we actually have on here? We actually have a reputable guest. We've got Daniel Hardy from the Golden State of Mind Um uh, Yes, sir. <laughs> blog over in uh, coming out of Oakland. Daniel, welcome to the show, man. How you doing, buddy? I mean, fellas, it's uh, great to be here. I've always wanted to go to Canada, and I guess I'm here with you guys virtually over the airwaves. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to have a new team in the finals because we got kind of sick of LeBron James. Right? No, oh, but like... we got sick of him too, believe me. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? We're, we're calling this the NBA Finals, but this could very easily be the We Hate LeBron Finals, but this could be the Curry Redemption Tour. I don't know what this is, but this is going to be a fun finals. Like, well, well, it... wait, wait, wait a second. I just want to clarify for our, our viewers, you know, I don't condone hate. It's more of a a pity I have for LeBron that he thought that he could actually have his own era. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's going to happen. It's been since, what, I think 2011 since LeBron wasn't in the finals? Good yeah. Good time. Lord. Yeah. Thank God. That Eight was... straight finals, yeah. And Whew. I think that's a great way. I think, honestly, like, let's – we've got a lot to dissect here. I mean, this is the NBA finals we're talking about. And, like, speaking of 2011, if we're going to look back a little bit, let's go back to 2015. And that's the first time the Golden State Warriors made it to the finals. Well, at least since the early, I, I believe it was the late 70s. Dan, you can totally correct me on this. Um, but for the Raptors, as we've already mentioned, this is our first finals appearance. There is an incredible, incredible amount of excitement and joy throughout the city. It looks like we're celebrating a championship, even though it's only the conference uh, championship. But because the Raptors have never been here before, there is this absolute joy. And we spent the whole uh, Game 6 post-pod uh, podcast just gushing over how excited we were and how this is just amazing or whatever. But this is, you know, I, I mean, it's so weird because this is what, what is this life like, right? I mean, <laughs> and I, I think before throwing it over to 
to Jason and Dre and, and finding out like, because we, we were very ecstatic when we, we hosted that last pod. But like, I actually like to throw this first question over to Daniel. And like, I mean, what was it like for you? Like back in 2015 when the Warriors made the playoffs, there was all this hype about Curry and Clay and Dre. Like, what, like I mean, can you can you take us through that? Like, what was that like? Well, um, as I recall, we had just recently dispatched uh, Mark Jackson, Pastor Mark. And uh, he was the guy who pretty much got the Warriors back on track um, through the Monte Ellis days. And, you know, got Steph, Clay, Bogut, Draymond, Iguodala. And so um, the year before we went to the finals, we were knocked out in the, in the first round by the Clippers and Mark Jackson was fired. And at the time, a lot of people were really like, we should have kept him because he brought us out of you know the doldrums. And um, time proved that with Steve Kerr, a fresh uh, voice and mind, uh, transformed the, the the franchise from a contender to a real champion. And I remember watching that happen where you kind of have these misgivings like, you know, is it going to work? Um, can we believe this guy? He's a first year coach. And, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are jump shooters. Charles Barkley says a team like that can't win a championship. And then right. you see the team grow and evolve from game to game all the way through to the playoffs where, you know, we, we were down 2-1 on two separate occasions. And mm -hmm. I think that you guys can relate to that, um, having trailed in the series and also having a new coach, a guy who, you know, came out of nowhere, it seems to catapult you guys over the top. So I think there's a, a, a lot of similarities there. But the thing that I remember most about um, that at time was there was, um, I think it was game one of the finals, um, right when Kyrie hurt his knee. And I remember thinking like, dang, like that sucks. Like, cause they lost Kevin Love too. And Kyrie's down. And then all of a sudden this feeling I had never had before struck my heart. And it was like, it doesn't matter. The championship is the only thing that counts right now. We came mm -hmm. this far. It's not enough just to be here. We got to win. And that's the transformation. I think you're probably going to find out in the finals when it's going to be some points, be a bad call or something that doesn't go your way. And you're going to be like, you know what? Let's beat these dudes asses. <laughs> <laughs> Let's beat them while they're down. Yeah. So, like, I guess the the question is like kind of altered for for Jason and Dre, but like, it's like this is it. Like, we finally made the dance. We've talked about this like for years now about how we have this team that's like great in the regular season, kind of chokes out in the, in the playoffs. They they finally lived up to their potential, and like we're we're finally here. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna throw it over to Jason, man. Like, okay, man. How does it feel? Like we're we're here now, right? Like I mean, there there's a lot of correlation to exactly what what, what Daniel just said, right? So okay, I, I'm a huge concert goer, okay, and one of my favorite bands uh, was Coldplay. And the first time I went to go see Coldplay, I was I couldn't breathe. I was like hyperventilating almost. And then it, it, before the show even started it didn't hit me. It didn't dawn on me yet that I was going to go see one of my favorite bands of all time. When I got there, I was like, holy crap, this is it. So right now, honestly, Daniel, I, I know that you guys been there for a while, but everybody around the NBA has to understand. It kind of looks like we won the championship. It's kind of because to us, we almost have. We've never been in this situation ever before. And it still hasn't really hit hit me yet. I, I want to say, like I prefaced it before, when you see that Larry O'Brien trophy on on the jersey and the fi NBA Finals handwritten on the floor, I think that's when I'm going to, that's when it's going to hit me. That's when I'm going to realize that, holy crap, this is the big leagues. This is what we've all been striving for. This team, this, this 24 years of existence of 
of being the underdog, being the the. Do you really think that your team is going to make it to even the conference finals? Hell yeah, we're finally here. Has it hit me yet? No. Will it? It's gonna hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Trey, what about you, brother? Yeah, I like the fact that you likened it to a concert because my all-time favorite band currently still is My Bloody Valentine. If you don't know the history on them, they were an Irish shoegaze band, uh, formerly like post-punk alternative rock band from the early 80s until the early 90s. Their touring was sparse. So I remember uh, they came to Toronto and I said, if I don't see them now, I never will. And that same form of elation that you were describing for me is almost like this because it's that idea that you're fulfilling something that you never thought would be. So when I saw the band on stage, I said, oh my God, this is it. I, I can't believe this is actually happening. And that's a very similar sentiment to what I'm experiencing with the Toronto Raptors right now, where the entire season from the very beginning, we predicted, look, we've got Kawhi Leonard. We've always had a solid team. LeBron's out of the picture. We've got a new coach who, a new coach who might be able to fix the flaws that Dwayne Casey might've had. All these things we said, yeah, we have a chance of making the playoffs. But the fact that we did and we made it all the way to the finals, even though we said we might make it to the finals, we might beat Boston if we face them, we might beat the Bucks. all of this throughout the season. The fact that it's actually happened is a different story where it's like, oh, God, we're actually here. So now it's the next step. Can we take on the actual title? But the fact that it's four wins away it's it's just astonishing. As a Toronto fan, it's absolutely astonishing. And, well, I, and, I have a question for you, because yes. when you guys were down 2-0, and pretty much the entire world was like, series over, get ready for the Bucks. the Bucks are the favorites, what was going through your mind? Yeah, I think for me, it was more like, the, the focus is no more on um, how can we, uh, like, looking forward past one game. I think after, before game one, I was like, how can we? How many games will it take for us to defeat the Bucks if we can? After that second loss, it was like one game at a time. Like my my focus specifically was on one game at a time, and it, that sounds very cliche. But at the beginning of the series, you start to think about like if we do X, Y, and Z, we can probably beat this team in X number of games. Like you're thinking about it from a a macro level. But when you're down 2-0, and specifically after that second game when your team is basically manhandled. You start to to think about all the little things and try to find like we were very lost. I, I at least I'm speaking for myself here. I felt that we were very lost. I felt like we didn't have an answer for Antetokounmpo. I felt like we didn't have an answer for all the three point shooting that the Bucks had. So for me, it was like just get one, just please just get one, and then we'll work off of the momentum of that one and learn from it. Hopefully. But I just wanted one at that point. And that, mm. that, for me, was how it changed. I had the Bucks. No, sorry. No, I had the Raptors still in seven, but before the series even started. And I even after going down uh, two games to zero, the fact that we played so well in that first game, I still had a little bit of hope. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a downtime for Raptors fans uh, at that moment. But if there was any type of light, it was like that game one is something we should have stolen. We, we kind of right. lost that opportunity at the same time. There was that opportunity game two. There wasn't an opportunity, but game one, there was something there that we could have built off at. And we clearly did for the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, kind of similar lines on what you two were thinking. Uh, 
That first game was one that just squeaked away from us, and I, I won't lie, I did need the two of you to um, remind me of that fact, because to me it was just, oh, we lost one, but it was just barely. It was that second one where we got clawbird where I wasn't concerned so much about the next game. I felt like we would at least win a couple, but it was, can Budelnhoser keep switching lineups and strategies often enough that we are lost in the dark? Like, we had a big problem with Brett Brown and the 76ers because there was just so much spontaneity. But instead, um, it ended up being, like I said, in that one, the Wait, Game 3 podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say spontaneity for the Sixers? Or <laughs> they're like code speak for it. They don't have any plays. <laughs> and they're just super athletic. <laughs> well, that, maybe it wasn't spontaneity. Maybe it was we don't know what we're doing and neither will the other team. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It could have been that too. Um, I'm saying spontaneity because I actually like the 76ers and I'm trying to not be brutal. But uh, what I said in the Game 3 uh, podcast was this was like that scene in The Dark Knight where – Bane's kicking the crap out of Batman, but then he grabs Bane's hand and says, no, now I'm going to fight back. And I said, all we have to do is carry out the fight now that we've exposed their flaws. And what did you know what four in a row, which I'm absolutely astonished by because they didn't lose two in a row the entire season. So uh, that, to me, put so much faith in the team, but also in Nick Nurse, because it's like, wow, okay, so... In a time where you were being outcoached, you came up with a strategy and made it work. So that, to me, makes me feel a hell of a lot better of our of our predicament because the number one seed seeded team at both the East and West uh, lost four in a row. So that's like, yes, we made it to the finals, but I have faith that we can at least go toe to toe with the remaining champions. You don't want to send like LeBron pulling a weak Cavaliers team by their hair to the finals, right? You want you want some assurance. Well, let, let's, let's stretch out Daniel's question to to uh, like to the playoffs overall, right? The Raptors right. were trailing in this series against the Bucks, right? The Raptors were also trailing in the series against the Sixers. And the Raptors were trailing in the series against the Magic. They were trailing in all three series in the exact opposite formula. The Warriors never trailed in any of their three series. So what is more impressive at this point? Is it the fact that the Raptors were able to come back when their backs were against the wall and win these three series despite trailing at some point each of them? Or is it more a tribute to the Warriors who, you know, never trailed? They never looked like they were really in any trouble in any of the series they were in. And maybe that's a sign of their experience. Maybe that's just a sign that they're just head and shoulders uh, better than everyone, not only in the conference, but probably in the league. Like, what do you guys think is more important? And I'm going to throw this question first over to, to Daniel since uh, he's, he's, our, he's our Warriors name right now, right? Um, I mean, yeah, that's a great question. I think that kind of goes back to probably how you project, you know, yourself or your own um, identity or ideals on the game of basketball. I mean, what you're asking me basically is, do you give more respect to the man who uh, buries someone or the man who climbs out from the grave. And mm. I think the Warriors basically just poured dirt over their opponents the way they were supposed to. And even though it was hard and it took a long time and it was muddy and such, you know, whatever, we still got the tombstones down as we normally do. So uh, although a little different was the fact that we lost Kevin Durant after he was like officially the best basketball player alive, dropping 35 a game, torching people. Um, when he went down and we won that uh, pivotal uh, game five in Oakland and went to game six and beat them in their house without KD and DeMarcus Cousins. 
that was extremely satisfying. But at the same time, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't like, oh, how did Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala, all these all-stars, you know, mm-hmm. somehow beat these frauds? Like, duh. But when you look at what the Raptors <laughs> did, that I didn't see coming. Like, you guys came out of the grave repeatedly. I mean, against Philly, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, you know, Philly's got too much um, talent. They're too physically gifted. There's no bully him. And then when you guys took that punch and came back throwing haymakers of your own, I was like, wait a minute, like, Kyle Lowry isn't disappearing? What, Kawhi Leonard is dunking on Embiid? Wait, 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 what's going on? <laughs> and then when you guys got all the way to the, the, the Bucks series and clawed back, and I could see it in, in the Bucks players' faces, they wilt under the pressure you guys gave them. They seem, they seem to cave in. And so when I see that from a team that's never been there before, and with a new coach and a new star, there was like no adjustment period. You guys just went for the jugular. To me, that is tremendously impressive. I mean, although I would love to give more credit for the Warriors because I believe that they're the, you know, deserving of it, the fact is when you win it as much as we do, be excellent. And if you're not excellent, it's a shock. So um, although it's it, it's weird being on top for so long that you have to look at things that way, that's the standard that was set for us. But you guys are creating a new standard before our very eyes, and yeah. it's just entertaining basketball and inspiring. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean – People look at the Warriors now as like the golden team, no pun intended, but like, you know, they're untouchable. But let's not forget that when the first championship team happened, so many of those players were homegrown. You know, Curry, Thompson, Draymond. The one kind of outsider and partial veteran perspective was Iguodala. So that first championship team was like, you know, from out of nowhere as well. Yes, they had a hell of a season and they had a bit of an uprise, but. You know, you don't just become the expected favorites for the next couple of years from out of nowhere. Like, you you develop into that. So, you know, yeah. like, it's the, – the Warriors have, have like, a lot of uh, a lot of credit in their own right, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I like how uh, – Daniel, I like how you brought up uh, how the Bucks kind of, kind of folded after even going up 2-0 because – for the longest time, that's kind of what the Raptors did, and we've yes. we've always the Toronto fans always had that uh, insecurity of even if we had a lead, Demar Derozan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like the, the fact the fact that we wanted Demar Derozan and the Kyle Lowry factor, like we've kind of expected to be uh, up big and then even when we were up by 17 and i know that you know those couple of games we were up even against golden state and we kind of uh shot the bed a little bit but we're there's like an expectation of like oh no this is this is where it happens this is when you know we we uh give up a lead and that's it but there was none of that and for the bucks it was like they had all the confidence in the world and we literally took the soul we sucked the soul out of them and it was so (laughs) so satisfying I, I, I don't think you understand. Well, maybe I'm, I'm sure you do because you've been there. But like, oh, man, the, the, the fact that we were on the opposite end of that, it's 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 incredible. I, I don't want to leave. I'm just going to say it's interesting they say that, Jason, because if you think about it, outside of the magic, the Raptors have basically been favored against by most pundits the entire time. Like they favored the 76ers. They favored the Bucks. And the Warriors now, it's just like the magic was like the one time where it's like, okay, we might have a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. go Raptors, uh, you might go one round. So I I think this feels especially good because, uh, you know, being the top tier, you're going to obliterate everyone thing is one thing. I'm sure that feels amazing to have in your own hometown. It's pretty great. Um, (laughs) Absolutely, because it's a consistency. 
but to also be the underdog and give your town something like like a new life, mm-hmm. like a new heartbeat, where it's like none of us we might have wished this, but we never truly expected it. That's something great in its own right. So that's why this this truly is uh, possibly going to be like one of the best playoff finals in this entire decade because it's it truly is the team that continuously fought with with pugnacious attitude against the team that just bullets fly off them. What's going to do it? The the perseverance or the immunity, right? It's going to be crazy. Jay, what do you got? No, I, I agree with all the points you guys have made. And I, I, and I, I can't help but think that, you know, with, with the fact that the, the, the Raptors were able to, to, to fight back and kind of change the, the viewpoint that the, the regular, or I guess the U.S. and the Canadian media has on them, I think is a, is a very positive thing to move forward. And I think that there's a lot of players, not just the teams we're talking about here, but the, specifically the players have a chance to um, change the outlook that we have on them and change the outlook that previous teams have had on them. And what I mean by that is there is an element of redemption and an element of revenge and possible payback for some of the guys who are playing in this series i'm thinking about you know Kawhi finally you know i guess coming full circle from his um injury against the warriors two years ago when jaja you know accidentally or purposely or whatever um wow. you know, landed underneath the ball team and i know uh, and we just lost Daniel. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> he's, 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 he's a piston now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's true. He is a piston. No, but like there's 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 the possibility of Kawhi getting some sort of redemption and like trying to finish what he started against the Warriors. Um, there is the possibility of even like from a from a smaller scale, a bunch of former players from each squad are on the other team. Like whether it's Alfonso McKinsey, um, sorry, Alfonso McKinsey, that McKinney, who's been playing. Um, a lot of minutes while Katie has been out, or even Patrick McCaw, who is for some reason in his third NBA season, also in his third NBA Finals. He jokingly said to uh, Blake Murphy of the Athletic that you know he's starting to get bored of all these Finals appearances. Like, geez, like what's his life like? But anyway, <laughs> he uh, bored. He ain't playing. So I guess the the point I'm trying to make here is, is like. Who of all the players in this uh, in this series, and maybe not even players? Now I'm looking at you, Daniel. Um, but who who has the most, I guess, possibility to like get revenge or get redemption or get payback or whatever? Um, I'm gonna throw this actually over to Jason first because, like, I'm, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are mm-hmm. in terms of like, yeah, who's who's got the most at stake here in terms of payback? Well, I'm totally going to uh, shout out Daniel's your article about like who has the most payback on the Warriors. And the first one you had was uh, Marcus Gasol. And I think that that's the, that would be my top one for who's out for revenge, mainly because Marcus Gasol is very, he, he's like a soft-spoken gentleman, right? But, and on the court, we kind of want him to be more of an ass. We want him to be more of the aggressor. But I slightly think that he's, he knows where his career is at. He knows that as a veteran, this is possibly his last time or, you know, his the career is kind of winding down as a veteran veteran player so when you have this kind of opportunity these don't opportunities don't come uh 
they come once in a lifetime. And when they had a lead uh, back in what I believe it was what. 2015 was it uh, according to your article um they the grizz were up two to one and they had the golden state warriors on the ropes golden state kind of came back and, and took it from them so i feel like marcus soul probably has a lot in going on in his head about you know what this is my time this is my chance to come back serge Ibaka for sure that's another person that you also shouted out to daniel he he probably uh wants to redeem uh, the that his time with the Thunder and though and, I, and I would Jay, say those two Jay, if I can cut you off on that one I yeah, think man. you make a great point bringing up OKC there because I think it's astonishing that uh, you know of of OKC's big four from that from that era or from that squad mm-hmm. that it's Ibaka who makes it to the finals before Russell or James Harden so I think that's for me that's oh. that, that's what just a little bit hilarious and, yes you know Kind of yeah, ironic, but absolutely. I mean, that's entirely because of how Harden and, and Westbrook play. But like, that's another discussion for a whole other episode, maybe next season. Uh, Jason, you got any other points? No, I, I I just wanted to point out how you how Daniel has Drake as number one for Alpha Revenge. <laughs> that's that's amazing. He's against California. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has a Katie and Steph Curry t- something yeah, tattooed on him. He does actually. People have pointed out. Well, if you want the ultimate Drake curse, that's what it is. He's not wearing a shirt. He's literally got <laughs> he their number tattooed. Yeah, he has it tattooed. Oh my god. But yeah, what, what about you, Daniel? What do you think? Um, I mean, those are all great names for sure. Um, I think if we're just gonna rattle them off real quick, I think the unfortunate thing is for Mark and Serge and the style of play that uh, the game has shifted to, in part because of the Warrior style. Um, kind of forces them to be spot-up shooters around the perimeter, which, yeah. quite frankly, I just don't believe is their true strength. I, I remember when Marc Gasol was um, beating us up, it was because he was in that paint, and he's seven foot whatever it is, and he's huge. And mm-hmm. until Draymond Green just basically gave his all to slow him down, we had all kind of troubles with him. I, I, I'd much rather prefer Marc Gasol out in the corner doing a Reggie Miller impersonation. That, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and Serge, although a better shooter and shooting for longer, I was most afraid of him when he was crashing the offensive glass and getting put back so that, you know, now that he's a, a little older, less athletic, and he's also out there looking like Ray Allen. And it's like, I understand why, because, you know, Kawhi needs room to operate. Um, but I would feel like it'd be a win if those two behemoths stand outside all all game. So um, although they may be looking for revenge, I don't know if the current Tor- Toronto Raptors system without adjustments, and we know Nick Nurse is up for making adjustments, if they'll be best suited to, um, you know, attack the Warriors because on the flip side, on defense, we're not going to let those two guys hang out in the paint. There's going to be constant motion. And at some point, you're going to have to chase Steph or Clay mm-hmm. on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for an older seven-footer, that's basically suicide. So again, they want revenge, but I don't know if they're in the best position to exact it. However, and Mr. Kawhi Leonard, they, on the other hand, could certainly affect the game, I think, in much deeper ways, um, especially on the defensive end, because Greg Popovich trained him. Greg Popovich was the first guy to teach the league to switch on the Warriors off-ball screens. He taught them that. They're well aware of how to defend those screens. Um, and on, on, on the other side, they're very aware of how to uh, um, attack us on the other end, too. Um, so because the ball will probably be in their hands um, a little bit, especially Kawhi, I'm assuming that um, that burning fire can actually be actualized 
also on the court play. So uh, my winner for the revenge sweet stakes is Kawhi. But I will say this real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're underestimating Steph Curry's revenge factor because hmm. he's never won a finals MVP. And people have been like, oh, he could be an all-time great if he won a finals MVP. Hmm. Now, true, you know, in my, in, in my mind, he compared to championships and multiple regular season MVPs, including one unanimous, not that big of a deal. But I know when that's the only thing left on the resume that they can point to you and say, you're garbage, it's got to burn him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So with Kevin Durant hurt, DeMarcus Cousins kind of hurt too, Steph's going to be shooting a lot of shots. Listen, the, the fact and that he, he he didn't have the what I believe he didn't have a, a point in that uh, first half against that Houston game, and then comes back with like what twenty four or twenty six, or like oh yeah thirty uh, something crazy. That unanimously should have is going to give him the MVP if he wins the championship. He, I, I honestly I think like KD is scary. I I honestly do believe KD outside of Kawhi, them two are the best players in the NBA, but Steph Curry can light up in 0.5 seconds and he will he will put yeah exactly and he would put up nine points in like and in in seven seconds like it's what how he does it he's changed the game and the fact that you have kd on reserve and he's injured but you have steph curry um unanimous the only unanimous mvp and then you have also clay thomas as his backmate bro it it's scary. It it's a very very scary scary situation for the Raptors. I'm gonna go a little bit different. I'm gonna say Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry versus the trade. What we have here is a guy who a couple of years ago, when the Raptors were getting their asses kicked by LeBron, said, "You know what? I I might need to leave, but I need some offers." And Toronto gave him a, a high standing, high salary offer, and that was it. We kept him. People were like, why is he still here? He's not putting up numbers. Oh, now Kyle Lowry playoff edition is here. And the trade happened where the guy who was always going to stay, DeRozan, was told, you're not getting traded. A day later, he was traded. Got a new teammate in Kawhi, no complaints. But it was more so the loss of his best friend. It was, well, now I've got to do it for this guy. He always has wanted a championship, Kyle Lowry. He's always played for that. We've heard him saying that for years. But now that... Like his best friend is gone. Everything's changing. The floor was like the rug was kind of swept from underneath him. This wasn't about making friends and stuff anymore. This was about the main objective, get that trophy. And we've seen the best Kyle Lowry playoff numbers I think we've ever seen in Toronto history, which means in his history, basically. He's the number one scoring uh, postseason Raptor of all time, except for the fact that Kawhi's probably going to beat him next year. But hey, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> very quickly um but he's got a drive he's got a hunger and you know some injuries uh being tossed onto the ground charges not working whatever it is he's been one of the hungriest players on any team in this postseason and i think he's doing that because at the end of the day what matters most to him right now is getting that trophy and you've heard his mm-hmm. answers like after the eastern conference win he was smiling a bit and then he stopped smiling he's like yeah, this is all well and good. Give me some hats and stuff, but I ain't done yet. Mm-hmm. I, and that's what it is. Before we before we go to break, Jay, I know I know we're running a little long, but the thing is, the fact that no Raptor is satisfied. Any interview that you see them, they're just like, yeah, we're we're glad to be here, but no one is satisfied. They're just gonna allow the fans to have it, <laughs> have that satisfaction. I love the humbleness. I love where the the Raptors' heads are at. I love the fact that they're letting the fans have the experience that we're having right now, knowing that the Raptors will be ready 
come finals. Yeah, no, I agree. And like we're we're touching on a lot of things here in terms of like who's got that redemption factor, who's going to be the star of the series. And those are all the things we're going to talk about after the break. But first, let's take a quick uh, commercial break. Well, that was interesting. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, we were talking about this before the break in terms of like who's got the most uh, at stake here in terms of like at least trying to get some payback on the other team or possibly trying to redeem themselves or get some sort of revenge. But, you know, one of the names that we kept that kept coming up was Kevin Durant. And I guess the big news heading into the start of the series is that he's actually out for game one. So I just wanted to get your initial thoughts, guys. And like, what does this mean? Is like, is he going to be out for a while? What does it even mean for game one? What does it mean for the remainder of this series? And like his, his, his injury and that impact. Dre, I'm going to throw this over to you first, man. What do you, what are your thoughts on KD being out for game one? And possibly longer. Uh The good news for Golden State is they still have a championship team with or without Kevin Durant. So the Splash Brothers are are clearly going to work. And I actually foresee this as being partially good for the Raptors because they could capitalize on that maybe. But also a bit of a problem because once he's back, us figuring out whatever system Kerr had going, which is tough already because he swaps so often – it's going to be even more jumbled. It's not like when we figured out the Bucks and they couldn't really get us to stop for four games. It's going to be crazy because it's not just bringing back a player. DeMarcus Cousins is one thing. It's Kevin Durant. So it's like, oh, wow, things have changed. But not only have they changed, it's freaking Kevin Durant, who I would argue Ka- Kawhi Leonard was the best player of the playoffs, mostly because Kevin Durant was injured for a good chunk of them. So I feel like they would have both gone head to head had that not happened. Mm-hmm. The door's there, but it doesn't mean that there ain't some shit on the other side for the Raptors to run into. Like yeah. they have to proceed with caution because the Splash Brothers, they are what they are. I don't even need to explain. And uh, when Durant's back, it's good, just going to throw everything up in the air again. Yeah. And Daniel, before I uh, jump to you, man, because I really want to know your take. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not one for rumors, uh, and especially for Toronto fans who see all those rumors about Kawhi leaving. Maybe we can talk cool. talk to you about that as well, Daniel. But having KD out for Game One, uh, he did travel with the team, so he is in Toronto right now. Or I don't know if there's they've landed yet. I'm not too sure. But I have to. In my gut, I feel like this is a little bit worse than they're leading it on to. So they haven't said anything about Game Two. But if you're out for Game One, and I know there's a couple more days in between before the other games, I honestly think that if he's not ready for Game One, I don't think he's ready for two or maybe even more than than we think. What do you think, Daniel? I mean, my first thought, of course, when someone reaches down for their you know calf Achilles injury. Um, not like, you know, his arm came out of a socket. It's more of, yeah, you get to guess and kind of wait for the information. Right. Um, of course, mm-hmm. your heart immediately drops, like, worst case scenario. And even with a, a pretty good calf strand, you can be up out to a month, you know? So um, it's unfortunate in the sense that uh, for a player of that caliber to go down, it's like like Michael Jordan going down the playoffs. So it's tough um, in that sense. Um, so I'm not even waiting for him to come back, honestly. Huh. I, I Really? I, I, I don't care. It's the fact that um, if I'm sitting there wondering, oh, if only Kevin Durant was here, things would be different. I'm going to be in the wrong frame of mind. And I'm pretty sure the, the players feel the same way. It's the, the next man up thing. And um, the Raptors had a lot of success this year when Kawhi was out. You guys kept, kept winning games. And I'm sure 
Calari wasn't looking over at Kawhi in the in the suit, being like, "Oh, I wish you were out here, buddy." He was like, "You know what? I'm getting paid millions. It's time for me to do my thing." And right. um, because we have the luxury of having those homegrown stars plus Iguodala, um, there's going to be more than enough firepower for us to win this series, um, even without KD. Of course, I want him back, um, but with news that Cousins might play in Game One, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. I don't want to look back and say, "Oh, you know, if only KD had played." No, 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 no. You have enough talent. You have the scheme you need, and um, just just run it. And in fact, I think it's going to work to our advantage because one of the Warriors' biggest, I think, it's one of their secret weapons is this: they love playing on the road. They had the best road record in the NBA, and part of the reason for that is the Warriors play a frenetic style that gets the other team running, huffing and puffing. And when you're at home in front of your family, your friends, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever it is, and the crowd's cheering for you, and you're like, you know, a young guy like Pascal. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm amped up, Super Saiyan, let's go. By the time that fourth quarter hits and you've been diving for loose balls, giving your all, you're, your legs are getting a little heavy. You're getting mm. a little tired. And we see Kawhi, you know, even though he's a, a steady bulldozer, he does start jogging a little bit because he, he, he's exhausted. You know what I mean? And the Warriors in the fourth quarter have been training for this the last five, seven years. Mm-hmm. They devour these moments. So they're going to use that crowd energy to get the Raptors exhausted. When the fourth quarter comes, it's going to be like, okay, now that you're exhausted, guard the greatest years of all time. So this, this is interesting. So I, I, I want to ask you this question. Um, in the playoffs, the I'm, I'm not too sure what, if this stat is true, but what I've seen is the Warriors are number one in offense and number eight on defense. And now the Raptors are number one in defense and number eight on offense. So I want to ask you, Daniel, it, with KD possibly out for, let's say, quote unquote, maybe the series, would you say that the Raptors have a better chance of playing the D with Durant uh, as the opposition or without it, as whereas the Warriors are more sporadic, they like to move around and pass the ball around, whereas with KD on, they have that one option of giving it to KD and let it everyone else uh, move out the way so they can go one on one with KD. But then we have Kawhi, our number one option on on defense so what do you think works better in the warriors favor and or the raptors favor it's a great question um i think it's kind of a, a pick your poison deal but as far as what i prefer um i prefer to have kevin durant there as an option for sure um mm. we've, we've seen that kevin durant and Kawhi have excellent battles when they go and i'm sure in kevin durant's mind with Kawhi getting all this publicity it's kind of like you know how he um michael jordan felt against the blazers in 92 like you know, Clyde Drexler, mm-hmm. you're not on my level. Although <laughs> I'm sure that Kawhi is like, oh, I'm absolutely on your level. So it'd be, it'd be a great test of wills there. Um, but with KD out, I'm really interested to see if Kawhi can keep up with the pace. It looks like he's been hopping a little bit, mm-hmm. living a little bit. We know he's got those leg issues. I think that with the high octane pace, play a great game and just gas out. Well, I mean, if we're talking about like how people are going to be matching up and all the switchability and who's going to be tired and I think we're pretty much delving into who's matching up with who. So you, you, very good segue here. Um, you know, and I'll kind of give my initial thoughts and you guys can absolutely butcher it or agree with it however you like want, or want. But like my initial thoughts in terms of like matchups to start the game is I'd preferably like to see something along the lines of like Siakam guarding Curry, um, Kawhi guarding Dre. Uh, I think it was, I have it as Lowry on play. Gasol and Boogie. Don't do that. Don't do, don't that. do what? Which one? Which one? Which one? Stop me. Which don't one? put Lowry on clay. Do not put Lowry on clay. Oh, barbecue chicken alert. He's too small. He is too small. Oh, 
Oh, okay, okay. No, no, okay. So here's my thought process. And absolutely, like, absolutely grill me on this. And the last two I think I have left are green on Iguodala. But yeah, let's go back to the whole Lowry on Clay thing. Um, Lowry did an awesome job chasing around Reddick and, and shutting him down in the Philly series. Now, obviously, Reddick is not Clay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know. But uh, I'm trying to find a place for, for, for Lowry here. And like, I've heard some people say, like, Lowry on Curry is not going to be that bad or whatever. But for me, I kind of like the, like, for me, with Siakam being the elite defender that he is, I'd rather have his quickness and his length on Curry than have Lowry, who is, albeit a great defender, uh, he won't have the length uh, to, to, to at least disturb Curry's shot. So, I mean, that's just my initial thoughts. And I, I feel like, Daniel, you will strongly disagree with me. I just personally feel that Danny Green has proven he can do a, a more than adequate job on Steph um, with the Spurs days. I think he blocked his three-pointer like twice in one game, which is unheard of. Um, Danny has, has just great instincts, and he knows the system very well. Um, so that the only switch I really make is really just D- Danny Green on Steph. And then um, hmm. maybe – but I, I for sure like Kawhi on Dre because Kawhi can help and play center field. So I think that's a great matchup for sure. I would say possibly around that same take for the beginning of the game, but I feel like there will be some sort of Kawhi on Curry. Not the entire game because Curry is a motor and he's going to run around and exhaust Kawhi. But at the same time, I feel like Kawhi has dealt with all the playmakers in every series. When you're talking about like uh, Jimmy Butler in Philly and Giannis Antetokounmpo in, in Milwaukee, every single one of those are the playmakers. So... If Katie is not on the floor, if Katie is there, then it's going to be Kawhi and Katie. But if Katie is not there, Steph is going to have the majority of the time with the basketball. So I feel like if they have Kawhi on him for not the majority of the game, but maybe sometimes just to give him a, a different look, I could see that kind of working in our favor a little bit if maybe Siakam was on Andre and then so he can kind of help off if Steph kind of cooks him <laughs> with his dribbles. Do you guys do a lot of um, switching? Yes, oh, a hell yes. of a lot of switching. <laughs> yes. And this is why I was mentioning Kawhi on Dre, because I, the way I see it is Dre, Draymond is like the, the one of the league's best screeners. And if if he's screening, I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have Kawhi on him so that if you're going to screen for whoever, whether it be Curry or Clay, then that just means you've got Kawhi on you, right? So yeah, that, that's, that's the only reason I've got Kawhi yeah, on <laughs> But like on, on the flip side, though, like what are your thoughts in terms of like on the, on the other side of the ball? Like who is... You know who who do you find Curry's gonna guard and Clay and like uh, I don't know I, I haven't put too much thought into like the other side of the ball but like what do you guys think in terms of like how how are Golden State gonna defend Toronto's offense? If C- Cousin does come back uh, for Game One, I feel like Cousins and Gasol that matchup would probably be very nice to watch. Those two yeah. big bodies yeah. like h- hitting each other the entire time that would be probably the one to watch for me. Everyone else because the Raptors switch a lot and I feel like. I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel. I feel like Golden State also switches a lot. It's almost like, even though you see the matchups, it's probably going, it's not going to be like that by the end of the game, anyways, besides the Cousins and the Gasol. Yeah. And um, I would assume that with all the switching going on, the Warriors are just going to load up um, on Kawhi. Uh, yeah. I mean, true. we saw with the, with the Rocket series, uh, James Harden, he runs that, you know, one guy handling the ball with force pretty shooters so well. And, in my opinion, he's, he's the best at it. Um, but we were able to get him because he doesn't shoot the mid-range jumper. 
Um, Kawhi will definitely shoot the mid-range jumper. So he's a, a, a unique challenge in that regard. But I do wonder that um, – I do wonder if Kyle Lowry, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka can hit the dagger. I do wonder that because eventually – and we saw it in the regular season when the game got tight and the Warriors were trying to make their comeback, they just abandoned Kyle Lowry at the three-point line. And he either wouldn't shoot or if he did shoot, it was like – so I'm wondering mm. if we leave Kyle Lowry open and he misses one, misses two, is he still going to bounce back and, and chuck or is he going to start getting in, in his own head, which I think is one of the criticisms about him over his career. Um, but I can guarantee this – Kawhi will be double teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, and it all depends on if it, it kind of happened with the Milwaukee series. As long as we can make shots and we can eliminate the running factor for Milwaukee and in this case, Golden State, uh, as we as long as we can slow it down, because I feel like the Raptors defense is so good that and, and the Golden State's offense is so good on transition. So as long as we can hit those shots, like if Freddie Van Vliet can be Freddie Van Vliet senior and if Norman Powell can hit those three pointers. <laughs> I, you know, like, and the same thing with Kyle Lowry, like he did have, I feel like the, his worst game was game one in against Orlando, everything else. He's been amazing. Um, every, maybe not a scoring factor, but in every other asset, taking the charges, being the passing lane, taking, uh, getting those steals, he's done everything else besides the scoring. So if he can try to get those three pointers to drop along with everybody else while Kawhi is double teamed, I mean, I feel like we have a chance. Well, well, I mean, I think that we've all like outlined some good matchup issues that need to be fixed up that will actually change up throughout the series. But we haven't really touched on the bench. And, like, I mean, you know, both of our benches are fairly deep. I think Golden State goes about nine deep. And, um, the, the Raptors are going eight deep and possibly nine deep if OG makes a return either. Right now it's being projected as possibly game four. Um but I think that that's a good good time to bring up who our possible X factors are in this. Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Van Fleet Senior, Daniel. Don't forget the I'm Senior, sorry. man. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna re- remind you guys of this stat till the day I die. Well, at least at least until Game One starts. But like Fred Van Fleet, since having his second child, uh, Fred Junior, by the way, uh, he is 14 of 17 from beyond the arc. That is epic insane. Plus 80 percent. Damn. The Ooh. the running joke after He's game after, after game three, sorry, after game four, was just have more children, like right now, Fred. Because <laughs> if you're gonna shoot like this after having a child, my gosh, like just keep doing. It. And that's the other thing is like what 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 hasn't been talked about enough is that on the same day that he had his child. Nick Nurse also had a child. Nobody's talking about yeah. that. And I, Nick yeah. Nurse is coaching his butt off. So please, Raptors, all of you, please continue to have children. Because <laughs> you guys are playing amazing. But yeah, back to my question. <laughs> guys, X Factors. Like, are you guys like, obviously, <laughs> Daniel already said Fred, but I mean, Dre, do you have a, a, an X Factor in the series? Like, whether it's on the Golden State side or the Toronto side? Yeah. Uh, bringing up Van Fleet is interesting because I think for the Raptors, um, history ball is been excellent and that's exactly what we needed we went to game seven with the 76ers because their three ball was fairly consistent and i feel like we weren't really matching them as much so it was a little bit more of a drought for us the bucks their three ball obviously is pretty scary as well but once fan fleet started hitting them it's like holy crap look at the score we're hitting like 18 threes in one of these games and half of them are Van Vliet's. 
Like this, this was more like it. The fact that we were matching them on three balls. Um, and do I even need to bring up what the, the number three means to the Warriors? So having, uh, having Van Fleet would be great to kind of compete with that kind of flashy play where we just have a bunch of threes drained on us. We got a guy doing it as well. While the rest of us are, are playing grid and grind kind of defense, uh, we got to put our defensive matchup, the, the number one ranked in the league, we've got to put that to use. Um, but we also need an outside shooter who's consistent. And luckily, that lead's finally there. Now for the Warriors, God, that's tough. Uh, Daniel, you picked up on it a little earlier. I'm going to say Draymond Green. And I feel like Draymond Green, uh, he's, it's going to sound weird because he's a multi-time all-star and champion. I feel like the guy's underrated. The fact that the guy is the only guy in history to have a triple-double while having less than 10 points, that to me shows a complete asset to an entire team that this, that this guy is. Right. Rebounds, blocks, steals, passes. He functions more than just points. But then he also does points. The fact that he's triple-doubling with like 30 whatever points, stepping in for when, ste when um, Kevin Durant's out. And the fact that I learned this the other day, actually, I don't know if it's changed because the video is a bit old, but apparently uh, you look at the greats, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, the player, I believe this is true. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, any, any of you, the player who has the winningest percentage in NBA history when he's been on the court, oddly enough, is freaking Draymond Green, Whoa. believe it or not. Is that true? Whoa. I think so. So I, I think that's I think that's believable based on like how dominant the Warriors have been over the last four years. Uh, and you did make one mistake. You did say uh, Kobe Bryant is a great. I'm gonna disagree with that. Oh, that's, oh. that's, that's for oh. another episode. That is oh that is sorry, this is full on episode right, on right. its own. May I remind you we have an entire off season? We'll oh, yeah. get to that later. <laughs> All right, before <laughs> I jump in, before I jump in with my X Factors, Daniel, what you got what you got for X Factors in the series? Uh, Mr. Kavan Looney. Um he's been Yes, I was gonna say that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with, with all of that. I, I I haven't watched enough Kavon Looney to say that he would be my X Factor. I would, I, I guess, the sexier name would be Draymond Green. But I would say that Draymond Green is not only because of his rebounding and and everything else that he does. It's the energy that he brings. Mm. And I would say for for that for the Golden State Warriors and for Toronto is the same boat for Serge Ibaka. So when when Serge Ibaka, he's he's not there to you know, get all those points. To, he's there to get all those rebounds and offensive rebounds, but he's there to punch in that energy when we're kind of in a in a lull. And I feel like Lauer, um, Ibaka and Draymond Green, they're both respected teams, feed off that energy. So once we, once one of them gets going, uh, it's going to kind of spark something in the their both both of their teams. That's those are my X factors. I like that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> If Serge Ibaka goes off, we're in trouble for sure. <laughs> we're totally in trouble <laughs> um, because the Warriors are going to leave someone open, and it's it's like a, a challenge. It's like we're going to take away your top two options and make somebody else kill us. And what was the problem against like uh, Cleveland in the finals when we had them is always somebody like J.R. Smith hitting a contested three or Tristan Thompson getting a putback, and those plays kind of sap your energy out of you. Um, so mm. 
when I look at Toronto, you've got a, a bunch of guys that do that. I mean, a Danny Green, that's right, a Danny Green three on the fast break, break backbreaker, Van Fleet, um, third, all these guys who can really just, just give you that, that gut punch. And with a guy like Kawhi and to a lesser extent Kyle Lowry drawing attention, the Warriors got to give up something. So those guys will be open, um, have a chance to put their fingerprints on the series, which is scary. Although I do want to give some some credit because if I don't say this, people are going to get pissed at me back in the Bay. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, y'all. Yeah. Still alive. Well, yeah. Not dead. Supposed to be coming back for game one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That'll be, that'll be so interesting because uh, matching up Marcus All and DeMarcus Cousins, it's like the angriest center in the league versus the only center in the league that'll open the door for you. It's going to be a nice matchup. <laughs> <laughs> and both of them want to end at the three-point line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think I think you guys honestly raised some great great points. I think uh, I would tend to agree more with with the names that that, that Daniel threw out there because, I mean, I already said this uh, a little bit earlier. Was I? I think Kevon Looney is is absolutely the X factor. And again, no disrespect to to, to Boogie Cousins, um, until it's like absolutely one hundred percent that he's going to play. Uh, I actually am more worried about Kevon Looney as a as a Raptors fan because he is going to crash the offensive boards, and that is one area that the Raptors are not performing very well in. And we've seen it throughout the playoffs, whether it was uh, Brook Lopez, Antetokounmpo, Embiid, Vucevic. Like the offensive glass was was not uh, an area of strength for the Raptors, and I think Kevon Looney will absolutely get his fair share and as long as he's on the court i think that's gonna be a, an asset for for the warriors uh, on the raptor side in terms of x factor uh i think i've said this possibly for the fourth consecutive pod but i'm gonna go with danny green uh, i swear <laughs> to god those, that, those shots are gonna start falling and, you're uh, stubborn as nurse I man am so effing stubborn so those, those shots that he keeps getting in, in, in that last game against milwaukee in the first quarter alone, he had four wide-open threes, and they will keep right. feeding to him. Yes, he missed all four of them, but damn it, keep feeding the man. He has, oh, uh, I believe, an NBA Finals record, seven triples in one Finals game or something like that. I remember that. He was killing. Exactly. He's a veteran. Like he's, You he don't just all of a sudden stop. Like Sorry, you don't all of a sudden just start shooting like crap and you can't hit it. Like He's a veteran, and he, is, he finished the league number two in three-point shooting. Uh, there is no sign of there being any kind of injury. At least the Raptors have not disclosed any injury of, of him. It's going to happen. And I know I said this at the beginning of the Milwaukee series. Damn it, it's going to happen at some point. And I'm going to call it now. He's going to be the X Factor. And uh, I, I hope he starts hitting those threes because right. I'm going to continue looking like an idiot. Well, I mean, shoot or shoot. Van Vliet eventually got it together. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and, and since we're on this, since we're kind of predicting here in terms of, of like how players are going to play and who's going to be the X Factor, I think this is a great way to wrap up this episode um, is to just finish up with some predictions. I mean, we, I don't know. I, I guess I should, I'll probably start off with this. Uh, I, I, and you're going to obviously think I'm biased here, but I'm going to go Raptors in seven. Um, Daniel, you might be, I have a guess here, but I have a feeling even though the odds makers will definitely favor you, you might be the only one on this podcast who picks the Warriors. But Daniel, what do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, if there was ever a time to knock the Warriors off in the finals, you know, Kevin Durant not playing, DeMarcus hobbled, this would be the time to do it. Um, but I feel like the Warriors are the underdogs in their own minds. 
I think if they're playing the no one believes in us card in their own minds uh, without KD, and um, they may put on their best performance yet of all the finals just because they hate being doubted. They, I mean, they hate it so much. Um, but that's not to say that the Raptors are going to roll over. In fact, the Raptors, they take a punch like nobody else. I mean, except for the Warriors, of course, but the, the Raptors will take a punch to the face and come right back and end your season. So um, it's not going to be easy. So I've got the Warriors in six. Um, I, I think each game is going to come down to the fourth quarter for sure. I'm going to go... First off, I want to preface that whoever wins, it's not going to be in less than six games. It's either going to be six or seven. Anybody calling for a sweep on either end has not watched the season. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Anybody <laughs> claiming five either, uh, a little bit less realistic. But, I mean, you never know in this league. Um, who would have thought we would have beat the Bucks four in a row? But a sweep is just stupid. I think anybody predicting a sweep on either end is stupid. Biases... Might might be a factor here. Raptors in might be Raptors in six or Warriors in six. Uh, seven. Oh, you're I cheating. Don't know. You're going with the or. Yeah. No, no or. <laughs> Pick one, buddy. Uh, I'll go with Raptors in six. But what I will say is, I will actually think that Game Seven is less likely for either team because I feel like once a team catches a stride, they're going to ride it out. Mm -hmm. I honestly see that happening once. The Raptors figure out the the Warriors or the Warriors figure out the Raptors. I think it's going to be written out. Mm -hmm. So in six, Raptors in six. Yeah, I, I at this point, um, I'm not going to play the we're happy to be here card because we are very happy to be here. <laughs> but <laughs> the the fact is that if we get down to game seven, I'm I'm going to go all in. I, I I don't want that heartbreak to be that close and we not get there. So I'm going to go with Raptors in seven. Also because of the the fact that the the Warriors they their their dynasty is is up in the history books. It's they're amazing, but the record books are meant to be rewritten. the 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 Warriors haven't played someone like the Raptors this season yet Darryl for th this these playoffs. Daryl Morey, okay. definitely disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but and the thing is, also the Raptors have their road to the finals are are so tough that they've already been battle battle worn, battle scars, everything. All that experience alone can can probably hopefully push them over the over the the hilltop. So I'm going to go with the Raptors in seven. Quick question for everybody. Quick question. Answer it first. Um, but in terms of what would terrify you most from like a single player doing this, what would that scare you the most in the series? I, I'm going to start with it would terrify me if Danny Green goes off in three-point range. <laughs> terrify me. <laughs> Yes. Well, Jerry no, Ross think... called it, so I think I think you're screwed. I don't know. <laughs> no, for me, it would just terrify me if KD ends up showing up for for game two and he's there and fully healthy for the rest of the series. But that that for me is what terrifies me. I'd say honestly, I um Steph Curry. If Steph Curry gets like three in a row, you can't stop him from getting seven in a row. So I I would say Steph Curry scares the shit out of me. Um. I'm going to go ahead and say if we somehow spot Zaza Pachulia on the bench, that's going to be the frightening thing. <laughs> <laughs> in, in all seriousness, um, in all seriousness, if if Boogie it seems to be doing all right and he's, um, he's keeping his composure and his head's in the game, when Boogie goes off, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. All right, well... Thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us and all of you listeners. This has been an exciting episode. We never thought we'd have to run the entire season. We were trying to come up with plans for the off season, 
when the Raptors got knocked out, but we made it to the finals. So we're going to continue to <laughs> so rock here we are. Yeah, here we are. Uh, Jason, where can we find you? Awesome, man. Yeah, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us for this pod, man. We can't believe that we're in the finals at the same time. I'm glad we're here. But you can find me at jlone20 on Twitter. You can find our podcast on Twitter at, at That's a Rap Pod. You can find our podcast on all your podcatchers at, you know, Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, all those guys. You can search us, That's a Rap Pod, or you can search Raptors HQ. You'll find us there. Dre, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs or at Films Fatale for my uh, film-centered website. We have reviews, editorials, interviews. We're setting up a masterclass section where we're going to have some educational insights on how critics review things in the film industry, including acting, cinematography, all the way down to sound editing and sound mixing. Again, the website is www.filmsfatale.com. F-A-T-A-L-E dot com and hope you hope you see you there. Uh, Jay, where can we find you? You can guys can find me on Twitter at Rosalisaurus. Uh, you can find my work on Raptors HQ and I will be on CBC's Here and Now on Thursday live from Jurassic Park sometime Ooh, between dope. 5 and 6 p.m. on Thursday before the game. Uh, I'm also going to be on CBC's Ontario Morning after games and three next week um but most importantly um actually no there's nothing more important than that uh that's me um and also big shouts to daniel hardy of golden state of mind thank you for joining us on the pod daniel yes sir thank you so much please promote whatever the heck you want to promote thanks for joining us buddy uh, no problem, man. It was a lot of fun. You know, I've never actually talked to a Raptors fan before. I didn't know you guys actually really existed. And no, you yeah, we're here. Only... <laughs> no, we're here. <laughs> a lot of fun. With Arujo and uh, Andrea Bernardi, I share the same name as Andrea Bernardi. We exist. <laughs> we've we've worked hard to get here. Um, I, I just want to say how much I admire your team. Um, the fight you guys have shown, and the way that you guys killed everybody in your path to get here. Uh, we really respect you guys, and we really, really are concerned about what you guys bring to the table. And um, you can find me uh, in the club, bottle full of bub. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter uh, at dhardy underscore SBN. And uh, of course, goldenstateofmind.com where we get on SB Nation and talk all warrior stuff. And our Twitter is at unstoppable baby. And uh, for people wondering, we had that unstoppable baby ha- handle when we were garbage. So it's not like we're bandwagons. Sweet. All right. Well, I mean, come Thursday, that's that's coming up soon. And we're finally in the NBA Finals. Raptors rejoice and Golden State Warriors. Come on, man. Can, can you just give us one, please? Dracarys. How How face, Jason. <laughs> Listen, we got the king of the north, hey, right? Hey, I love that. We the north. <laughs> I love that. There you go. There you go. All right. Until next time, boys. That's a wrap.